The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. The battle heats up over bills to let public money go to private schools. I believe that parents should be empowered in the state of Texas. These are public funds for public schools. How two votes on opposite sides of the Capitol are highlighting a divide on a key priority for Governor Abbott. Teacher pay back in the spotlight at the state capitol. If it's not something that's being done, then, you know, we will not get the best teachers. Who will be the most affected will be the students. The debate over how to figure out the funding and make the pay raises real. And new developments for a bill to limit medical treatment for transgender children. How an unusual move heightened tensions among lawmakers. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Lawmakers faced a marathon session Thursday with the Senate taking on key education bills and House members voting on the budget. Debate in the House lasted more than 12 hours as members worked through hundreds of amendments. In the end, they approved a budget plan calling for nearly $303 billion in spending. Highlights include more than $17 billion allocated for property tax cuts. It calls for spending $9.6 billion on mental health resources, as well as $5.3 billion for the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. And it includes a $5 billion increase in public education funding. The House and Senate budgets are largely aligned, but there is a divide over the issue of school voucher-like programs. We saw intense debate over an amendment to prevent parents from using public funds to pay for private school. Opponents called the amendment bad for parents' rights. The reality is, is that I believe that we have never seen any type of competition harm an industry. Our public schools are no different, and this has got to be something that we get to discuss and work towards as a body. I believe that parents should be empowered in the state of Texas. Please vote no on the amendment. Democrat Abel Herrero brought the amendment. He had his own message for members before the vote. So these are public funds for public schools, as is outlined and stated specifically in the Texas Constitution. And for that, members, please stick with our public school teachers, our neighborhood schools, and our public charter schools and vote yes for this amendment. Several Republicans joined the Democrat-led effort and the amendment to the budget passed. Meanwhile, across the Capitol, senators took up a bill to create education savings accounts. That's a voucher-like program that Governor Greg Abbott listed as a priority. The bill would spend half a billion dollars over the next two years. It would help some parents move their children from public to private school, giving up to $8,000 for each eligible student. The debate lasted several hours, but in the end, the plan to allow public dollars for private schools passed the Senate along party lines. Senators also passed a bill that includes more money for teacher pay. Senate Bill 9 creates a teacher retention allotment. It would give teachers a $2,000 raise, and teachers in districts with fewer than 20,000 students would get a $6,000 raise. But according to the bill's fiscal note, funding for those raises runs out after fiscal year 2025. There is bipartisan support for raising teacher pay, but there are still questions over how much and how to accomplish that goal. And those questions played out last week in the House committee hearings. Politics reporter Monica Madden takes a closer look. We love to teach our students. Karina Rodriguez teaches a bilingual pre-K class in Central Texas. 
You know, we do our letters in the morning, math center. She loves watching her students learn. You get them from their beginning, and so it's incredible to see their growth. Growth she would also love in her paycheck. With these prices and inflation, it is really difficult. Their problems lawmakers are hoping to address. I am very concerned that sure. teachers are not being adequately compensated. House Bill 11 would raise the state's per pupil funding by $50, asking school districts to use at least 50% of that new funding to increase the average pay for every district employee. This bill is a comprehensive investment in teachers and the teacher workforce. The bill would also adjust the Teacher Incentive Allotment, or TIA. It gives higher pay to help attract and retain top teachers. But some questioned if this is the right way to address low wages. We don't support the continued expansion of TIA while all teachers remain underpaid. According to TEA's own estimates in the Rider for House Bill 1, fewer than 4% of teachers will be paid under TIA, while 100% of teachers need a pay raise. Regardless of how they accomplish it, Teachers like Rodriguez just hope for some improvements. If it's not, if it's not something that's being done, then you know we will not get the best teachers. Who will be the most affected will be the students. Monica joins us now. Education really seemed to take a spotlight during the House budget debate, and it went beyond teacher pay. We've seen a lot of teachers and teacher groups come out against voucher programs. What's the reasoning for that? Josh, I think it's a little bit complex and layered. I mean, the teacher that I interviewed that you just heard from, Karina Rodriguez, she talked about how, you know, we're at a time where teacher burnout is a thing. It's something that's happening across the state, and teachers are struggling with that. And, you know, one of the things that she talked about was that her school is not fully funded. It doesn't have all of the resources it needs for them to survive, really. I mean, a lot of teachers we hear pay out of pocket for different classroom supplies to make their experience better for students. So she's concerned about not having enough money for her public school system as is. Granted, of course, the education savings account is a different pot of money, but her argument and other teachers and teacher groups say that they need, you know, to make sure first that all of the public schools are getting all of the funds that they need to function and be the best that they can be for Texas students. And then maybe we can talk about the voucher program, at least from their perspective. Well, despite some of that opposition, we've seen the governor on a statewide campaign pushing for school choice and school vouchers. Is there any quantifiable success there? Yeah, I think you could see a little bit of the governor's efforts yielding some positive results for him. You know, looking at opposition to vouchers in the House, it stood last year at 116 votes during last session, excuse me, rather. Thursday's budget amendment to block the state money from going to private schools drew 86 votes. So it went from 116 to 86. Now, in the Senate, too, we've also seen some more moves in regards of you know senators wanting to support this effort and I think a lot of that does come from the lobbying efforts that the governor has made especially in some of those districts of um, senators and representatives who used to not support that but really it wasn't too surprising to see what we saw in the house the other day I exclusively interviewed speaker Phelan at the start of the session and he was cautious really about his response of if he thinks his members will support vouchers pointing to the lack of votes to it in the past are school vouchers dead upon arrival in the House? It ultimately, it's going to come down to whether or not it has the votes in the Texas House. And in the past, it has not. 
Well, there is a lot of history here. What's the next step? Well, Tuesday is when we're probably going to get our next gauge of support for public funds going to private schools, Josh. That's when the House Public Education Committee meets and they'll hear, hear public testimony on bills to create education savings accounts. And it's going to be really interesting to see if that bill gets out of committee to a full House vote, Josh. All right, there's a lot more debate to come. Monica, thank you very much. The governor calls a summit to address a deadly drug problem that's killed thousands of Texans. It's a deadly drug. Education needs to be pushed out into all public schools. The message to lawmakers and the new statewide steps to stop fentanyl deaths. Plus, tense moments on the Senate floor over a bill to restrict drag shows. We dig into the debate and the changes it could bring to communities across the state. Governor Greg Abbott hosted a summit on fentanyl Thursday in Austin. It's where he announced steps the state is taking to address the drug problem that killed more than 2,000 Texans last year. The state will spend $10 million on a PSA campaign to educate Texans about fentanyl. It will also send 20,000 units of Narcan to every county in the state. Narcan is used to reverse opioid overdoses. Monica Madden shares one parent's personal story and how lawmakers are working to prevent more deaths in the future. Veronica Caprosi says her daughter Danica was just like any other teenager. I did well in school and she was funny, she was loving, she was caring. What she never imagined was Danica becoming a statistic. Danica had really bad insomnia. She started taking Percocets. Her daughter had no idea it was laced with fentanyl. It took her life. We did everything together as a family, so it's, it's the most difficult, heartbreaking pain that you can ever endure. Caprosi is now part of a large club none of these parents wanted to join. Dozens of faces behind the statistics. We all share this horrible, horrible loss of a child to fentanyl. According to the DEA, 40% of street pills can have a potentially deadly dose. And just one packet of sugar contains the equivalent of enough fentanyl to kill 500 people. Get involved with your representatives and make things happen. It's why lawmakers say they're focused on solutions with bills that would legalize fentanyl testing strips to detect the lethal substance and others that would put Narcan on every public school campus. It's a deadly drug. Education needs to be pushed out into all public schools in Texas. Something Caprosi wishes schools warned her teenage daughter about before it was too late. I don't think it won't ever happen to your kid. She took a pill thinking she was going to wake up the next morning and go to work, and she didn't. It, it killed her instantly. Monica Madden for State of Texas. Gun safety legislation filed in the wake of Uvalde, now at a standstill in the Senate. People need to wake up on this issue, and they need to demand action. The message family members of school shooting victims are trying to send now. And new developments for a bill to limit medical treatment for transgender children. How an unusual move heightened tensions among lawmakers. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to shelfgenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach.
On Tuesday, the Texas Senate passed a bill that bans many treatment options for transgender youth. The bill passed along party lines. It would restrict puberty-blocking medication, hormone therapy, or surgeries for the purpose of transitioning a child's biological sex. And it would prevent state health insurance plans from covering those services. Doctors who provide those options could lose their state medical license if the bill becomes law. The vote came after a long debate that sometimes became heated, and an unusual move raised tension in the chamber even higher. Digital anchor Will Dupree joins us now. You followed the debate. What made this vote so unusual? Senators had approved this amendment that would allow transgender children to continue with their care even if the ban became law. On the day that we thought that the final vote would happen, a rare move happened with uh, Republicans Senator Donna Campbell, who is the bill's author, she decided to withdraw this amendment and wanted to change the language a bit. That led to uh, frustration among the Senate Democrats who expressed that on the Senate floor. Let's take a listen at some of that exchange that happened during the debate. What is the reason to detract the amendment that you had first adopted and everybody uh, agreed to without objection? Everyone, nobody objected to you at the amendment that you and I discussed. What is the policy decision to remove the amendment today? The actual amendment that I put on 14, or are you talking about the date from December? The, the, the amendment that would allow the children who are currently under the care of a doctor to continue to finish their care. The, the amendment was not discussed in committee, and there were so many questions that have been brought up since the amendment was put on that out of respect for the body, I'm going to just take it down, ask that it be taken down. Democrats ultimately lost that battle, Josh, and the bill went on to pass fully in the Senate without that grandfather clause included for those current patients receiving that kind of gender-affirming care. Now, Democratic Senator Jose Menendez spoke passionately for about 15 minutes against that bill. I want you to know that I believe it undermines the sanctity of the relationship between a parent and, their ch and a child, the doctor and their patient, and any person's God-given right to their pursuit of happiness. Thank you for indulging me, and thank you, Mr. President, for allowing me to speak against this bill, which I know that your goals are, you have the right goals, but this, is, this bill does the wrong thing. Senator Campbell made her case for the legislation, saying she believed it will protect children. In this body, many times we vote all together because it's the right thing to do. Children who are on puberty blockers and cross-sex cross hormones need more counseling and love. They don't need blades and drugs. Well, we heard Senator Menendez say there was no opposition to the amendment to allow children already receiving treatment to continue that treatment. Do we know what changed? That is a big question. Uh, Senator Campbell there just mentioned in her remarks that there were lots of questions and concerns raised after that amendment passed again without opposition during the Senate. She did not specify though who was raising those questions specifically. Now, Senator Sarah Eckhart from Austin, a Democrat here, spoke on the floor and she noted that a number of na nationwide political organizations are advocating for this 
identical kind of legislation all across the country. And that's the case for another issue that came up in the Senate this week. A couple of bills came up to tighten restrictions on drag performances. You also followed that debate. What happened there? Yeah, the Senate ultimately approved two different drag-related restriction bills. Senate Bill 12 would criminalize any kind of performance if it's overtly sexual and is possibly seen by a child. The bill also defines a sexually oriented performance as a male performer exhibiting as a female or a female performer exhibiting as a male who appeals to the prurient interest in sex. The legislation includes penalties for both performers and businesses. Now that debate led to a very heated exchange between Democrat Roland Gutierrez and the bill's author, Senator Brian Hughes, a Republican. Gutierrez does represent Uvalde in his district and he took issue with Hughes saying that this bill would protect children. If it appeals to the prune interest and meets any of those above prongs, it's captured by the bill. Because this is about protecting children. What should be done in the presence of children? Man, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been all about this session about protecting children, my friend. And we haven't done a whole lot of protecting the children when it comes to guns and ammunition. That exchange right there and the reaction from the gallery led to a pause in the debate by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who reminded the gallery to avoid any outbursts or he'd have law enforcement clear out everyone. Shortly after that exchange, senators voted to approve that bill. Well, this wasn't the only bill Senator Hughes pushed through regarding drag performers. He's also targeting drag events at public libraries. Yeah, he carried through this bill that would cut off any kind of state funding going to a municipal library that hosts a drag queen story time where performers read books to kids. Both of these bills go to the House. What is the outlook there? Yeah, that's the big question too. Uh, Senate Bill 12 was one of the uh, Lieutenant Governor's big priorities this session. However, Speaker Dade Phelan that is not on his priority list at this time. Of course, we have to note that Republicans do control the majority in the House. So if these bills come up for a vote, they will most likely pass. However, we're getting close to the end of the session. So is there enough time to tackle those along with some of those other big priority items? And while we've seen a lot of anti-LGBTQ legislation, House members just advanced a bill to expand gay rights. The House Criminal Jurisprudence Committee approved a bill to repeal the Texas law that makes homosexual conduct a crime. And that clears the way for a vote in the full House. Right. Thank you, Will. Earlier, you heard Senator Gutierrez talk about his work on gun safety legislation. On Tuesday, he held a Capitol News conference with families of children killed in the mass shootings at Robb Elementary and Santa Fe High School. Gutierrez has filed nearly two dozen bills after 19 children and two teachers were killed with an assault-style rifle in Uvalde. One proposal would raise the age to buy a gun to 21, but Gutierrez says those bills are stuck in the Senate. He's now asking supporters to call their state reps to rally support as time runs out. People need to wake up on this issue and they need to demand action because more children will die as long as Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick and others like them do nothing. Three days before I buried my daughter, I addressed Congress to call for sensible gun laws. In closing, I said, somewhere out there, there's a man, or there's a mom, listening to our testimony, thinking I can't even imagine their pain, not knowing our reality will one day be hers unless we act now. 
Top Republicans in the House and Senate are backing bills to add armed law enforcement at every school, require mental health training for teachers, and fund security improvements on campuses. Those bills have wide bipartisan support. A big push is underway at the Capitol for more transparent medical billing. How one lawmaker is laying out a plan to help patients get easy to understand information before they pay a medical bill. A big push is underway at the Capitol for more transparent medical billing. On Monday, State Representative Caroline Harris laid out House Bill 1973 to members of the House Public Health Committee. The bill requires that a patient receive an itemized invoice in terms they can understand before they pay a medical bill. The legislation comes after our investigation into medical debt lawsuits. Right now, patients can request an itemized invoice, but it's not sent to everyone automatically. Several patients tell us they've faced that problem, so they didn't pay. Then they got sued for medical debt. The bill comes after our investigation revealed hundreds of suits filed in recent years on behalf of a hospital in Williamson County, the same county Harris represents. One of my constituents was served with papers for a medical bill for $1,200, and she had always paid her medical bills, didn't, wasn't even aware that this was out there. Uh, instead of going to court, she decided to reach into her savings and pay that bill. She couldn't get an itemized receipt, and she's a single mom. The bill did get some pushback from a Houston health system. It claimed providing invoices for every patient's bill would cost up to $5 million a year and require more resources and staff. Representative Harris's office tells us she will file a committee substitute to address concerns raised at the hearing. Right now, the bill has more than 100 joint and co-authors listed, which indicates strong initial support in the House, and a companion bill is filed in the Senate. For a closer look at these proposals, explore our interactive investigation online. We have a link to our coverage in the Texas Politics section of our website. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.